Welcome to Profit Boss Radio, where successful women have paved the road to their own financial freedom. Each week, your host, Hillary Hendershot, financial coach, money mindset expert, and experienced wealth manager, will help you discover the keys to the wealth and peace of mind you want and deserve in her no-nonsense and authentic style. Starting right now. Welcome to episode 24 of Profit Boss Radio. I'm Hillary Hendershot. I'm your host, and I have a very special interview for you today. My guest is Barbara Stanny, and I have been eager to interview her for quite a while. I have followed her work during the entire period of my evolution into both the field of financial planning and now the mindset work that I've done and the coaching that I do, and she's a real inspiration. She is a best-selling author. If you haven't heard of Barbara Stanny, she's a best-selling author. She's a teacher and a wealth coach, and she's helped millions of women take charge of their finances and their lives. She's a writer by trade, but really, really what she is, is a money muse. She is the foremost expert on women's financial issues. She is a speaker and workshop facilitator, and she empowers women to live up to their financial and personal potential. She's been featured on Good Morning America, The View, Extra, The O'Reilly Report, and many times on CNN, MSNBC, CNBC, Fox News, PBS, NPR, and The New York Times and USA Today. She's the author of six books. And we talk about two of them today. One is Overcoming Under-Earning, and the second is Sacred Success, A Course in Financial Miracles. Barbara shares openly and authentically, and since the two of us are really up to the same thing in our mission to empower women to build and sustain wealth, I feel like it's a great marriage between the two of us. She from a very deep and philosophical standpoint, and me from the ever more practical and logistical standpoint. I'm sure you're going to love today's episode of Profit Boss Radio. If you're interested in the resources that Barbara talks about today on the show, just go to hillaryhendershot.com forward slash 24. Barbara Stanny, welcome to Profit Boss Radio. Thanks, Hillary. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so excited to talk with you. You are a financial mogul, but it didn't start out that way. You started out as the daughter of a financial mogul. You were brought into the world by one of the founders of H&R Block, but you still didn't manage to get good money training, did you? No, not at all. My father really believed that managing, making and managing money was a band's job. Yes. And, and I agreed with him. Okay. <laughs> and so there was always a man... First, there was my father, and then there was my husband. But I found out very early in our marriage that my husband was a compulsive gambler. Over the course of our 15-year marriage, he lost a fortune. And yet I continued to let him manage the money because I, I was too scared and too intimidated to manage it myself. Every time I tried to learn something about money, my eyes glaze over, my brain would fog up. I just figured I was terminally stupid. <sighs> I I want to circle back to that. I'd love for you to share with our audience how you changed eyes glazing over into being a financial mogul. But so at one point, your ex-husband went back to Israel and you had three children, including an infant to care for, right? Yeah. So what happened is, is that we got divorced. Yeah. And he went back to Israel and I got tax bills for oh. over a million dollars oh. for back taxes he didn't pay for 
He'll seek out a sin. And my signature was on everything because I signed what he told me to sign. Now, he left the country. I did not have any dollars, not close to it. And my father wouldn't lend me the money. And I can tell you now, that was the best thing he could have done. But at the time, I was furious and I was terrified. But I knew, I knew I had to get smart. And I really believed, I didn't know how I was going to do it. I really didn't. I really didn't, Hillary. I had no idea I was going to do it. There was no way out. There was no back door. And I feel when you have a commitment, the universe revolved to help you reach your goal. And I was living in San Francisco, working, writing for the, I was a journalist, writing for the San Francisco Business Times. Mm -hmm. And I I got hired as a freelancer on a freelance project to interview women who were smart with money. And those interviews changed my life. I only got smart about money myself, but I wrote my first book, Prince Charming Isn't Coming, How Women Get Smart About Money. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I had this whole new career while I was going traveling all over the country, teaching, doing financial education for women, and I couldn't make money. So I thought, hmm. So I started interviewing women who made six figures. And I started making six figures before I even finished writing the book. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote, I want to see, could I teach others what I had just learned from these women? Because I wasn't even sure what I learned. And so I started giving overcoming under earning workshops, which became my third book. So at this point, you are, you're a writer, your core skill is writing, and you've learned how these six-figure women are, are earning money. And you identify this trait called under-earning. Can you say, I mean, it's intuitive what that is, but can you say, how do you define under-earning and where does that stem from? It is not intuitive. Okay. Because you can make six figures and still be an under-earner. And you can make much less and not be. An under-earner is anyone who desires to make more money, but for whatever reason, she can't. So you can make six figures, but you can still be under earning. Mm-hmm. And like, I have three daughters. One is a, one is a journalist. One is a kindergarten teacher and one is a farmer. And those kids, they are not making a lot of money, mm-hmm. but they're making enough to meet their needs. And they're doing what they love because it feeds their soul. Under earners, under earning is never a conscious choice and it never feeds our soul. It is always a condition of deprivation and not just of money, but of time, of joy, of choices, and most of all, of self-esteem. Well, and that's the place I find so many female entrepreneurs And so you started giving these workshops and you're teaching women how to overcome under earning. And and then you published this book and that book was published almost 10 years ago, but it's a staple. I mean, women still talk about it all the time. So, so what are the critical steps to overcoming under earning? I think the first step is realizing you are, because I remember way back when I was having all my problems with money and my, I had these tax bills and I went to a financial counselor. Mm-hmm. She was a pioneer, Karen McCall in financial recovery. So I want to understand money. And she says, do you know you're an under earner, don't you? And I said, I am not. I am. I'm a writer. Everyone knows writers don't make money. <laughs> it's true. <And> it's like <laughs> I could not identify with being an under earner. And then when I went to write my book, Secrets of Six Figure Women, among the first dozen pe- women I interviewed, 
four of them were writers. And it's like, there went my excuse. Mm -hmm. So the first step is really understanding that you are. There's nothing out there. That is nothing that's doing it to you because no matter what the economy is doing, there are going to be people that are prospering. And you have to tell the first state, the first step, I highlighted five steps in overcoming under earning. Mm-hmm. The first step is telling the truth, telling the truth about what's not working. Mm-hmm. And I noticed with every woman I interviewed, these high earners, not all of them began high earners. Many of them were under earners. But the change occurred. I noticed that they, that change, every financial achievement was preceded by a financial challenge. It was by facing up to the challenge, facing up to the problem, seeing what's not working without having to have a solution, but just admitting the problem. That is the first step. And around this time, you said just a few minutes ago that at one point, and if anyone brought up the topic of money or any kind of Wall Street speak, your eyes would glaze over. Is this condition starting to lift at this point? Or did you take steps to alleviate that? How did that go? What I realized when I wrote my first book is that even before I wrote my, yeah, during my first book. So let me tell you what happened. So I believe that financial success is a three-pronged process. If you're having difficulties Mm -hmm. and it's a combination of the outer work, the inner work and the higher work of wealth. So I was focusing on the outer work, knowing the difference between a stock and a bond and how to negotiate and understanding what, you know, what money was and how to do a retirement plan, how to do a financial plan. And and I was interviewing these women and I was starting to understand it. And then all of a sudden I got stuck and I noticed myself going into this resistance where I'd fog up, I was, I just went right back. And I remember my friend, David, who lived in San Francisco, said to me, Barbara, you're going stupid again. Like that was his way of saying. <laughs> Must and be I a stopped. good friend. He can say that to you. Yeah. And so what I did is I made an appointment with a therapist. Mm. And we sat down and he, and I said, Oh, David, I really want to learn about money. I, his name wasn't David, but whatever it was, I really want to learn about money. I really do. And he's changed chairs and he said, Okay, now talk to me like I'm a voice in your head and tell me and I'll reply as you. So I looked in this different chair and speaking to him like he was a voice in my head. Like I was speaking to myself, I said, I really want to get this stuff. I really want to get smart about money. I really want to understand it. And he, as the voice in my head said, no, you don't. And it was like, ha, huh, I couldn't argue. There was a piece of me that was scared that I didn't want to get smart. And as I worked on identifying what was going on, as I did the inner work, as I examined my beliefs and attitudes and decisions about myself and money, I realized that I had all these fears, that I was afraid my parents would be upset. Basically, I was afraid that I'd be abandoned, that no man would love me if I was smart and successful with money. And once I could identify my fears and the beliefs that were holding me back, suddenly it's like the veils lifted. And I could see what looked like Swahili to me. So that's why I think the inner work is such an important component for those of us who have problem really getting it. 
And so is there a trick to see that what's in the inner work that's in between you and manifesting what you want? There's no trick, but there are ways to do it. And like the overcoming under earning book is full of the exercises. Great. He's full, but there's just a few exercises I can give you right now that can be really helpful. Like one thing is to go back and remember your earliest memory with money, your earliest memory. And when you can identify that and then freeze frame it as a picture, like a snapshot, and if something happened, I'll, can I, I'll give you an example of me. So when I did this work, I did, what is my earliest memory of money? And my earliest memory of was me being on a step stool, brushing my teeth. It was like three or four years old. And my mother was standing next to me. And I remember asking her how much she got for allowance. And she looked at me. She didn't say anything. But her look was like, I got, what I got is you never talk about me. Like that was just disgusting. Oh. And so I made a decision that you don't talk about money. So all the while this was happening with my husband losing all this money again, I didn't tell anybody, not even my therapist, not anybody. And so when you can look at the early decisions you made and look at what your beliefs are, that really clears the way a lot. Another thing is looking at what you are afraid of, really looking at your beliefs about money, really looking what is the payoff for staying ignorant, for staying in overcoming under earnings. Because you get what you really want, not what you ask for. So you may say, I really want to make more money. I really do. But if what you really want is to stay safe and look good and be comfortable, then you're not willing to do what it takes to make more money. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. If you want to know what you're committed to having in your life, look at what you have. (laughs) You might have cognitive dissonance about wanting something on the surface that you don't have, but ultimately we produce what we're committed to in our lives. <laughs> That's right. And the number one commitment, the number one requirement, number one, for getting out of under earning for overcoming under earning is the willingness to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. is the willingness to do what you're scared to do because success in everything, whether it's making more money or losing more weight always lies just outside our comfort zone. And so that is the number one requirement. Every time I get scared, and I do scare myself a lot, I get scared and I get panicking and I think, oh, goody, that means I'm going to the next level. That's an empowering way to relate to discomfort and fear. Yeah. So I think the converse problem to under earning, did you have more, were you going to share more steps to to overcoming under earning? If you want me to. (laughs) So once you, so sure, let's just take people through it. You mentioned doing the higher work. So, okay. So let me tell you what the five steps are. Okay. I'm just going to run through them really quickly. Okay. The first step is tell the truth about what's not working. Without shame, judgment, or blame. Just tell the truth. Mm -hmm. Second, make a decision, like a committed decision. Cut off all other alternatives. Make a decision. Make a decision. I'm going to make more money. Yeah. And you know, in, in my, I do an overcoming under earning teleclass every year and I have them write down how much they want to make within, in the, within the next year. And they write it down. And I always say, you will know you're committed 
Because two things happen when you make a commitment. One, you start attracting coincidences. You know what I'm talking about. All of a sudden, the thing you want, you're committed to, you'll sit down on the airplane and right next to you is this person who gives you exactly what you need. The phone rings, exactly what you need. You open the newspaper, there it is. And the second thing that will happen is these quick coincidences are opportunities and you won't want to do them. You'll go into resistance. Because anytime you go to deviate from your norm, you go to do something new, your body goes into resistance. I don't want to do this. It's natural. It's normal. It's inevitable. Mm-hmm. So I have people write down what they want to make. And if you you don't get coincidences in the next week, you're not committed. Go back to the drawing board and either get a number you're committed to or look at why you are scared. So the first is tell the truth. Mm-hmm. The second is make a commitment. The third is to stretch. Because when those coincidences start coming and you will go into resistance and you'll get scared, the key, the key is to, there was a, a kind of a high earner slogan. Everybody I interviewed, if it's not illegal or immoral, I just say yes. <laughs> so it's like you, you, what, what was, what, what did someone say? You, you, you build, it's like you jump off the cliff and you build your way, you build your wings on the way down. Nobody I've ever interviewed was, that was successful knew had everything in place before they started. So the first step is you tell the truth, you make a commitment, and then you stretch and you will have opportunities. And the fourth is you surround yourself with support. Under earners, by and large, tend to hang out with people who are just like them, who are worry warts, who are pessimists, who uh, are scared, not, not because they're bad people, they're just fearful. And we tend to become who we're with. So it's really important to find those people who are supporting you, saying, you go, girl, and who are playing the game that you want to play. And you don't even have to know them, but having role models, which is why I do what I do, to be a role model. So people can see, yes, it's possible to be as stupid as I was and to overcome it. So tell the truth, make a commitment, stretch, surround yourself with support, and fifth, respect and appreciate money. And you expect, you respect, money is like anything. If you want it to last, you have to take good care of it. You have to respect it, you have to appreciate it, and you have to take good care of it. And that's why people will come to you, Hillary, to help them take good care of their money and manage it well. Because just because someone is making good money, does it mean they'll keep that money? Because wealth has nothing to do with what you earn. It has everything to do with what you do with what you earn. So you can make very little money and create wealth. You can make a lot of money and end up in debt. Yes. And yes, building a portfolio to take care of yourself in your later years to, to achieve financial freedom is certainly a a great way to take care of your money and respect it. What are some other ways that people can start with if they're not there yet? I've heard people say everything from honoring money as it goes out to facing your bills to things like this. Well, the big thing is to get out of debt. Because one thing I learned when I interviewed women who made six and seven figures is while they were still debting, while they were still using their credit card and amassing debt, they were like stuck. It was energetically, they couldn't get any place. Yeah. Once they made the commitment to stop debting, 
once they started paying off, even if they weren't completely paid off, but that's when they started soaring. That's when they started really moving. So the first thing I'd say is get out of debt. Great. And really be clear. I think what I believe, and this is my, my sixth book I wrote, Sacred Success, that this came out a year ago. I believe that women's difficulties with money, it's very little to do with money, and everything to do with their fear of or ambivalence about power. And I think because we don't understand power from a feminine perspective. I remember when I wrote, I first realized this when I was writing Prince Charming Isn't Coming, my first book. And I remember I, I got so clear the connection between a woman taking charge of her money and standing in her power, really become the ultimate authority in her, their life. And I remember interviewing a psychologist who specializes in money, Olivia Mellon. And I asked her, I said, why are women so afraid of their power? And she didn't miss a beat. She said, because powerful women have been burned at the stake. <laughs> and I think it is part of our collective unconsciousness that we fear our own power. Because we don't understand power from a feminine perspective. And my definition of a powerful woman is someone who knows who she is, who knows what she wants, and expresses that in the world unapologetically. So basically, our fear of power is our fear of being fully ourselves, mm -hmm. of speaking up instead of watering ourselves down so we don't make waves. And that's what I think is incumbent upon women today. I think this world needs us to step into our power to become the final authority, to speak up and ask for what we want. Because it's about time that we, in this new paradigm we're moving into, step up to the plate in our power so we can lead in partnership with men. Well, and not just ask for it, but create it committedly, right? And the problem that you're talking about is so pervasive because I have seen women who say they want to empower women, then oh. criticize women, call them pushy or annoying, who do stand up and say what they want. It's pervasive. And I think and we as women reason, have to be careful. No, the only reason they criticize that woman is because they're afraid of their own power. Right. So they project it out there. I, I think this thing about women not helping women, I think once a woman becomes empowered personally, we are so there for each other. We are so there. It's those women that are scared of their power that are scared of other women's power. I think men are scared of our power. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a co whole cohort of men who have no interest in being around a woman who can stand in her power. Right. Right, because they don't understand women's power. See, for man, men and women view power through very different lenses. For a man, men exercise power by asserting control. Mm -hmm. Women, we exercise power through building relationships. For men, by and large, wealth and power are the ultimate goal. For women, it's not. Once we are financially stable and that food on the table, a roof over our head, has some disposable income, money is no longer the ultimate goal. Money is a tool to help us reach our ultimate goal, which is helping others and making a difference in the world. Mm -hmm. And sometimes women take their eyes off the prize too soon because of that. 
cash flow needs are covered and yet they're they're not financially secure but the motivation isn't there and so that's part of kind of the messaging i try to put out there is to stay focused on on wealth building so that when it's time you can stop working or work if you choose to right i think women where women the weak link in a woman's chain of success is they aren't strategic enough and what i learned from women who are very successful mega successful mm-hmm. is they have one eye on their mission their vision their desire to make a difference but one eye is solidly on the bottom line mm-hmm. personally and in their business and it's when we can develop those strategic muscles in ourselves and we can surround ourselves with support like financial professionals like yourself that that will change that will all change Okay, so you were talking about doing the inner work, the outer work, and the upper level work. No, the higher work. Higher work. <laughs> and the higher work, the outer work is the practical, the inner work is the psychological, mm-hmm. and the higher work is the spiritual. And I believe that we are all on here, this planet, for a purpose. And I believe that we cannot pursue our purpose and play full out if we're struggling financially, if we're drowning in debt, if we can't pay our bills. So I believe the higher work of wealth is knowing your purpose, what you are here to do. And from that place, that is why you want to make money, not just to amass money, but so you can do your purpose. And I believe that it is whether you believe in God or a higher power or, or whatever you believe in, we are here for a purpose. And that is what I learned when I wrote, when I interviewed women who made millions, like seven and eight, even nine figures, is that these women were not motivated by money. Yes, yes, money was the desired goal. But what motivated them was achieving greatness. And I define greatness, paraphrasing a quote by Fred Buchner that says, greatness is that place where your deep gladness, which you were put on this earth to do, meets the world's deep hunger. Mm-hmm. And I define sacred success as pursuing your soul's purpose for your own bliss and the benefit of others while being richly rewarded. Well, I love that because most people leave off the last four words. And what do you say to a woman who says, Barbara, I don't know what my purpose is. I want to know, but I, I can't, I don't know how to discover it. Well, come to my sacred success. <laughs> because that's, I mean, that's what I do is help people, help women, help women really identify their purpose. And here's what I know from 40 years of doing this work. Yeah. Is people do know their purpose. We do know our purpose, but we're scared. And my job is to help them bring it out. Well, that's lovely. And that doesn't seem financial related, is it? It's very... uh, to me, it's very financially related. Because it's so integrated with the value we bring and that we are. So I lead these retreats for sacred success. Help my women go from stability to affluence, from enough to more than enough. Not everybody wants to go to more than enough. But the women who come to me want more than enough so they can make a difference. I think we women are very purpose-driven. And we find, when we find our purpose and attach it to financial success because it allows us to do what we're here to do. 
it's like we are, we become an unstoppable force. Don't we? That's amazing. So I want to talk about your sacred success events and the book, but I want to just finish this point because what you brought up the eyes glazing over is such a, it's the place where most women stop in my purview, maybe not in yours, but in mine. Yes. I really, okay. Okay. I I really think that if a woman decides she wants to be financially free, the education is trained and training is out there. And yet I've been disappointed to discover that a fairly sizable community of people aren't ready or willing to invest in themselves to get that training. And I feel moved to touch these people. (laughs) Yes. So here's what the problem is. I think the financial industry, this is, this is, I'm getting on my soapbox here. Yeah. The financial industry does not get women. It's people like you who work in the financial industry, who understand women, who understand that for us, finances is a very emotional topic. Mm-hmm. And when you can have conversations on what she's afraid of, on what, what's underneath, what, what she feels about, when you can let her talk about her fear, often that's enough to get her to move. I, th- I think to the, to, to most of the financial industry, it's like, that's the soft stuff. No, no, that, that's the soft stuff. They don't want to deal with it. Well, they're making a big mistake. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something really funny. I was at a financial advisor training, some kind of like sensitivity training, and they said, you know, clients might cry in your office sometimes, oh. and you should have a box of tissues on the desk, which makes it okay for them to cry, but don't hand them a tissue because then you're telling them to stop crying and they feel judged. And I thought, oh boy. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's funny. So I was trained as a therapist. Mm-hmm. And they also tell you in therapy school, don't hand a client a Kleenex because it does psychologically shut them down. Mm. So they're, they're, th- that, that wasn't wrong advice. Oh, look at that. <laughs> but, but what was wrong is my sense is they didn't encourage you to get that woman to talk about what was coming up emotionally. No. To talk about it, to go there with her, not as a therapist, but as a partner, as a friend, to listen. All you need to do is listen. And, and that, that's what therapy, why therapy is so effective, because you just listen and you hear them. And all we want, we women, we want to be seen, we want to be heard, and we want to understand. Yeah. And I've had um, male financial advisors literally stop me at events and say, can you share with me how you do business with women? Like, what what is it that you do? How do you get them to call you? <laughs> I said, if you have to ask, I can't tell you. I just treat them as human beings. <laughs> but they understand that women are different than men. Mm-hmm. Men are very transaction oriented. Mm-hmm. Women are very relationship oriented. Mm-hmm. That relationship is really important. They need to be talked to. They need to be heard. They need to be understood. Men want to know, you know, how well are we doing? Women want to know that you understand her. That's right. That's right. So your your most recent book is called Sacred Success. A Course in Financial Miracles. And I have this sense that this book is a culmination of a lot of things for you. Is that accurate? That's very accurate. Yeah. It's really accurate. It, it is the culmination of everything that I have gone through 
to get where I am today, to become an expert on money. Like if anyone had told me in my 20s, 30s, that I'd be an expert on money, I told them they, they were they were smoking. They were smoking dope or something because <laughs> it happened. happen. But, but yes, it's like I really came out of the closet in this book. And I believe for myself and for many women, financial success, financial mastery is a not just a practical process, but a spiritual practice. And I believe when we can bring the divine into the conversation about the almighty dollar, it turns it turns the whole process into a healing journey, a rite of passage into our power. And so I'm trying to tr- translate this into my language. What that means, what that would mean in my in my world is getting up every morning and being present to that mission that that yes. I mean, I am always in the background present to my mission of creating a world where everyone in it has enough, but truly sort of being in touch with that inspiration that yes. that comes over me when I when I really think about yes. it and and channeling that into my work. And so I'm saying this, hoping you'll you'll say I'm right. And then the people in the who are listening can can get what what that is kind of what this book promises. I am shaking my head. (laughs) You are right on. You are right on. Because I believe deep down in us, we want to make a difference in our own little way. We are all here for a purpose. And when you can understand, like you, Hillary, when you understand it, you are so much more motivated. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit more about the book? What can women expect from, from the book itself? I wrote it for women, but I also wrote it for men. Because I want men, women to understand power. And I want men to understand women's power. <laughs> and I want them to understand that we women can succeed and have financial success, have mastery over our money in the way that feels comfortable to us, in the way we operate differently than men. And I think when we start valuing our feminine nature and our traits and men start valuing that we can begin to work together with men as partners. So what I hope is that there, it's like there is another way to create success in this world. And it's not just the way the world models, i.e. the patriarchy men. Is that what you mean when you say redefining success and power on our terms? Yes. Great. What does that look like for you? What it looks like for me is, Really knowing the truth of who I am. I tried to build a business for a long time the way I saw my dad and people doing it, working really, really hard, really pushing themselves and all this. And when I said, I can't do that anymore. And I took, I took a month off. It was turned out to be nine months, which is when I got this book, Sacred Success. And I said, it's time to do it differently. And I realized I don't have to do it like the world is doing it. I can do it my way, which means I don't have to work all the time. But when I work, I am very focused. I have quadrupled my income when I realized there is another way to be successful in the world. And I don't have to do it the men's way. Well, so many people listening would love that secret sauce. <laughs> and so so you're really enabling women to create su- success on their terms, not because you've prescribed what those terms are, but 
because you're helping them redefine what success is to them. I think success is this really elusive word for a lot of people. Success has is very future oriented. We don't even realize that it's success is always in the future. And so it's always out of reach. It's very sort of demotivating until you really realize what that your your definition of success is is almost out of reach for you. Do you experience that with women? No, I think I think you brought up a good point, Hillary. I think you really brought up a good point that it's really behooves us to define what success means to me. Mm -hmm. What success means to you. Success to me does not mean building this huge business and having 300 people working for me or 5,000. No, that is not fun. I don't like to manage. I have a few assistants. I have a marketing person. I don't have a huge business. Oh, but I have exactly the kind of model I want. But I had to figure out what that was first. And so that, that's a, that would be a really good exercise. How will I know when I'm successful? What has to happen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good question for everybody to sit down and ask themselves. And so I bet you go into that at your sacred success retreats. And we didn't say we were going to talk about these, but I'm imagining the retreats are like taking a bath in the book for a few days. Yeah, it's, They're it's transformational. A, it's, it's an immersive experience. Mm-hmm. It's an immersion. When for four days we're in a retreat center, we eat together, we don't sleep together, everybody gets their own room. But we're, we're immersed in the growth, the personal growth that has to occur for us to be a container that can draw in the money and that can hold it and then can expand it. Beautiful. And speaking of expanding money, part of my work and mission is to in, inspire women to grow their wealth in the form typically of an investment portfolio. And one of the things you and I and we know is that there's a lot of women who aren't investing. In fact, women at the same time will say that they're confident about their financial future and that their portfolio is all in cash and they're sitting on the sidelines, which is typically an action that investors take out of fear. So what do you say to women who fear the market, fear investing? What what do you think we can do as as voices of well as leaders in the industry to inspire women to overcome that hump? Or what would you say to someone listening right now is really the question. I give I I give a course every year, starting in January to December, called One Year to Wealth. Mm-hmm. And the way I finally got over my terror of the market, because my husband, the gambler, lost all his money. He was a gambler in the stock market. So there was no way I was going to invest in the stock market because that was too risky. You were burned. Yeah. So what I did, I did something really smart. I, I, well, I, first I did something really dumb and I put myself in and I put in my, my money in an investment that I didn't understand and went belly up. I didn't understand it. It was a limited partnership. I didn't know what the hell a limited partnership was. Mm -hmm. So I said, no more. I'm going to give myself a year. And I'm going to educate myself. And I'm going, because the number one rule of investing, I believe, is never put money in anything you don't understand, whether it's a stock or a bond or the market itself. Because not only do you not know what you're buying, but you don't know when to sell. Well, I don't know about don't understand. My clients have almost 10,000 stocks. I don't think we understand all those companies, but maybe you mean the no, qualities. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. But you understand what a stock is. Okay. You understand what it means. You understand 
the risk you're taking. You understand risk. You understand that you need that everything is a risk that you understand in order, because to me, investing, the only reason you invest is to meet your goals. Right. So you have to be clear. And that's why I would send everybody to you because the thing is you first, you have to be clear on what those goals are. And then you invest according to make sure you meet those goals short term and long term. So you have to know how much risk you can take. You have to know what's a good diversification. You have to know how you can, there are you, how you can minimize risk through diversification and time. And so, so when you, when you understand the basic concepts, which are very simple, very simple. When you understand the basics concepts and you work with someone who watches the market all the time, then you're ready. And so by the end of the year, you have people, you have people investing. Well, even before the end of the year, I just do it for a year because what happens is when you take this year course to invest and people said, no, no, don't do it for a year. Don't do it for a year. But I did it for a year purposely because what happens is it gives you time for the resistance to come up. Uh-huh. It gives you time to all the things that are standing in the way that, it, that you are afraid of. And that's what we deal with, not just the basics of money, because that's easy stuff, but all the beliefs and attitudes and fears that are keeping you from doing it. That's really great. And for as much as I would love to have poetic conversations about some of the qualities of investments, I am in my heart a, a finance gal. You have an article on the homepage of your website that talks about risk and I absolutely love it. I don't want to put you on this. Do you, yeah. Do you remember? I was going to ask you if, it, and I think this goes with this particular point so well. Um, your, your take on risk. Could you summarize that for people? So- I will summarize it for you. I don't know if this is what is in on the website, but I always saw and that the dictionary defines a risk as the possibility of suffering harm or loss. Yes. I define risk as acting in spite of uncertainty. So we don't know the outcome. When we get in a car, we're taking a risk. When we get out of bed, we're taking a risk. When you put your money in the stock market, you're taking a risk. But there are so many ways to minimize, well, not so many ways, but there are ways to minimize the risk so that over the long term, you can be pretty much guaranteed you're going to be making money. Certainly, if you play the law of large numbers. So what what did I say that I didn't, what did I say in that article about risk? So according to your article, the truth is our biggest financial risk is not market volatility. Our biggest risk is to do nothing at all. The market's ups and downs are scary, but you can dramatically cut your losses with due diligence, a long-term approach, and really good diversification. There you go. That's you. (laughs) There you go. All right, good. And Barbara, I created, I I looked for a year online for places where women are, are are talking openly about money in a virtual place. And, um, and it doesn't exist. There are plenty of places where people are talking about tactics and strategies and Roth IRAs and dividend funds and things like this, but not really talking about money. And, and I couldn't find it. And I launched Profit Boss Radio and you have your own version of a, of a wealth mastermind that you run, don't you? Every, you do free coaching calls. Yeah. The first Monday of every month, this has been going on for years because like you, I wanted to create a safe space where we as women could come together and talk about money. And so 
we every, first Monday of every month, you can go on my website, Barbara Stanny, S-T-A-N-N-Y.com. You can go on my website and you can check it out. You can get, get an invitation. And what we do is we talk about money and not just the practical, but the, we dive deep into what's going on. And uh, not only do we have that, but I have this, I have a Facebook page, a Facebook group mm-hmm. called Money Monday mm-hmm. that has over 1,200 women in it where we just talk about money. And everybody chimes in the conversation and people get on with their problems and they get all kinds of feedback, not just from me, but from everyone. And in the call also, it's a community. It's, it's a become a community. So I answer people's questions or concerns and then everybody else pitches in. Well, this is what I did or this is what I found. So it's really a beautiful community of like-minded women who want to talk openly and candidly about money. Beautiful. I love it. And I did, I, and I shared with you in our, in our little pre-interview chat that I, I've sat on one of those calls and you're a little bit like the money whisperer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Those calls may start about money, but they're not really about money. They're more about getting to the finance of the interior. That's right. Because I, my belief is after 40 years of doing this, problems with money are never about money. And when we can get to what's really going on underneath, then we can clear the problem up. Yeah. Barbara, I could stay on the phone with you all day. I'm just so honored that you'd come on Profit Boss Radio. And it's my honor to connect with you finally after all these years. My own journey professionally has led me here. And it's just very rewarding to be to be in this place. Thanks for what you've brought to this interview. Your voice is like velvet. I love it. And I want you to know if you're listening, everything that Barbara talked about, including the links to both of her books, her website, and the way to connect with the Money Monday calls will be at the links she mentioned, but also at hillaryhendershot.com forward slash 24. Thank you so much for being here, Barbara. It was my pleasure. I love talking to you. Okay. Well, I hope to do it again. Would love it. Thank you. If you liked this episode, I'm inviting you to join us today in the free private Profit Boss community on Facebook. You don't have to know a super secret password or handshake, but you will benefit from a warm, encouraging, and confidential community who are all there to grow and learn from each other. It's an awesome opportunity to create a classroom out of what you learn here on Profit Boss Radio and in life and get feedback from how others in the Profit Boss community are achieving financial independence. Some of the really valuable discussions we've had recently in the Facebook group are how to make sure tax time goes super smoothly for you with no stress, what tools people are using to track their spending and make sure they're achieving their financial goals, and also what resources people are using to master their money mind. So plug in and take advantage of the collective wisdom from your fellow profit bosses. Crowdsource the answers to your most important financial questions in a confidential and supportive environment. Just go to hillaryhendershot.com forward slash profit boss. That's hillaryhendershot.com forward slash profit boss. And that link redirects you to a Facebook group. Just request membership and we'll let you right in. It's free. It's cool. It's awesome. It's supportive. We'll see you there. Thank you for listening to Profit Boss Radio, where creating success on our own terms happens every day. You're not alone in your journey to a rich life, and that's why Hillary is here to add value in each and every episode. See you next time on the podcast for women and money.